pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. Verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned under their partners, which were in the other ship, and that they should come and help them. And they came, filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse number 8 starts out with a, the latter part of verse 7 starts out with a syncation. You say, Preacher, that ain't a word. Probably ain't. I just invented it. Then verse number 8, there's a confrontation. Peter saw it. And he fell down at Jesus' knees, that's conviction, saying, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's confession. But we know he got it because he calls him Lord. There's conversion. Verse number 9, for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Pray you help us to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. God, let me preach not with enticing words of man's wisdom, not an excellency of speech, but Lord, in demonstration and power, let your will be accomplished in every heart, in every life. We pray you give us liberty in the house of God to not only preach the word, to receive the word. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us where we failed you, cleanse us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. From the inside of the joints and marrow, you said the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, dividing asunder even, even soul and body, dividing asunder even joints and marrow. And Lord, we just pray, God, that the word of God would prevail this morning and that your work would be accomplished. We need you, the Lord, to allow us the privilege of what you desire, and that's for us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask God that you would uh, forgive us, cleanse us, and Lord, fortify us to help us face what's coming in the upcoming days and weeks and months. Lord, thank you for truth that will prevail and your will, I pray, that will be accomplished in every life. In Jesus' name, we thank you and pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help us for a little while, I'm interested in Luke chapter number 5. I call this chapter God's fishing hole chapter. And uh, I, I don't know if you know much about fishing, and, and uh, I haven't got to do it a lot, on, uh, much of really in the last 10, 15 years. But when I do, uh, I, I love going down to the coast in the month of October. We used to do it in October and, and later in the year. And in the month of October in the Carolinas, in North and South Carolina, they call that the inshore slam. And it's like every, it's one of the best times to catch shrimp and flounder 
and, and some of that sea trout, bait fish, all red fish, all these fish, they, they start slamming the coast of North and South Carolina. But I've been down there, Brother Scott, and didn't catch a thing. Everybody around me is catching everything, and I'm catching nothing. I had the wrong bait. I was fishing in the wrong place. I don't know, but I, I, I recalled a, a story that I read. Y'all have heard me say it before, some of you. I, I remember reading a story about a, a grandson and his grandfather, and uh, they, they make their homemade rubber worms, and they went out fishing in the same fishing pole and the same fishing hole using the same bait. And Grandpa was pulling them in as quick as he could get them off the hook. And the grandson didn't catch a thing. And he said, what did I do different? And he said, well, I sprayed mine after I put it on the line with something that would conceal my flesh. And as long as we operate in the power and the realm of the flesh, we're never going to do much for the glory of God. I got to thinking about all these people during the context, historically speaking, they say this should have been prime fishing. Uh, of professional fishermen should have never come back and, to, and clean and mend their nets and say they caught nothing. They would have caught something. But it, it's demonstrative, I think, uh, of what it's going to be when we fish our own ability in the power of our own flesh trying to accomplish the will of an almighty God. And it doesn't matter how good the fishing hole, if we're not fishing with God on our side, hey, I'm telling you, you're going to come up empty. Your net's always going to be empty, and you're never going to do something for the glory of God. He said, Peter, you couldn't catch fish without me. You ain't going to catch men without me. He's going to turn him from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. And he needed to learn the lesson that in the power of flesh and your own professional ability with them big arms that they say Peter had, them big muscular arms that would look like our legs from pulling in them big nets with fishes, with all your strength, with all your might, with all your ability, knowing all the different places on the Sea of Genesaret from the Gentile side, the Sea of Galilee from the Hebrew Jewish side, from that same, you know everywhere, but in your flesh and in your ability, and in your professionalism having all the I's dotted and T's crossed you're always going to come up short in your flesh so I want to look if the Lord will help me just for a little while this, this morning I want to look at just one verse in the context of chapter number 5 and see what it is to operate in the will of God with the power of God I want to offer, I want to do God's will. I believe everybody in here that's saved sincerely has something in their heart that wants, that moves them to want to do the will of God. We may not always do the will of God, but there's something in us because the Bible says he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. There is a, something in us in that new creature all things are passed away and all things have become new. Old desires, old uh, things that we were ha had habits of, all that's gone. There is something in us that craves, we don't always do it, but there's something in us that craves to do the will of God. Would you all agree with that? Can you say amen? It is God's will for us. It is God's will for us to enjoy this Christian walk. I believe God wants us to enjoy the Christian walk. But if you're always operating in the flesh, you're always going to come up empty. You're going to get discouraged. You'll end up getting depressed. And if something don't happen, you'll divide yourself from the very thing God wants you to do. It, we know it's God's will for us to worship Him in spirit and in truth, but if we'll be honest, we don't always worship God in spirit or in truth. There's times we come in the house of God and worship is the furthest thing from our mind. By, the, by this chapter, after God's going to do what He's going to do, guess what? Hey, hey, man, Simon went in to worship, but he had to be willing 
to do the will of God. I want to worship, but I've got to do the will of God. Look with me. Let's walk through the text. Look with me, if you will. We're going to focus in, focus in with me on verse number four just for a little bit. Notice what the Bible says in verse number four. I want us to notice, first of all, the driving force of God's will. The driving force of God's will. Notice what he said. When he had left speaking, in other words, he's done preaching. And and, and let me say this, just by way of introduction. Sometimes we'll get the idea, as I'm sure Simon did, God has just used my ship as a sermon platform to preach to a multitude of people. And, and, and in that capacity, I, I've not got to travel, done a lot of studying about it. Uh, I've never got to travel over there. I'd love to one day, bless God. But they tell me from what I've studied and read that when you, when you get on a ship and, and the way that it'll echo and carry the voice up the shore. And so, so what happens is Jesus gets on the boat. He's got a crowd of people, a great multitude's gathering. And uh, he uses Simon Peter and, and uses it as a platform to preach his sermon. He is going to reach as many people, his voice, he's sovereign. I mean, he ain't even got to speak and speak to people's heart. But he's going to preach and, and his sermon from his boat. And here's what happens. Sometimes when God uses things that we give him, we think, well, hey, God's used it. He's blessed it. That's all they are to it. See, God had his ship, but God wanted more than the ship. He wanted Simon. Just because God may bless something you've gave to him, that ain't all God wants. He don't just want your stuff. He wants you. Are y'all with me? I want to do the will of God. And for for us to be able to do the will of God, for us to be able to worship, for us to be able to walk and follow him and be fishers of men, hey man, we've got to get our worship right. If worship's wrong, then the walk's going to be wrong. If you don't believe me, go back to the first place in Genesis, Cain worshiped wrong and his walk was wrong. He killed. He's a first murderer because when your worship's wrong, your walk's wrong. But before you can ever worship right, you've got to be in his will right. Are y'all with me? I'm saying we're going to try to look at it. Look with me. We'll walk through a couple of them quickly and get down to where the Lord's really pressing my heart. I want you to notice with me, number one again. I want you to notice this. This word in verse number four is what I call the driving force of God's will. Look at verse number four. Now when he had left speaking, that's what caught my attention. He's done preaching, but he's not left speaking to Simon. See, sometimes we need to listen to God after the service. Sometimes we think, well, all we're going to get is while we in church. Man, I feel like having a running fit this morning. Sometimes we think all we're going to get is while we're sitting here. Oh, no. It's the meditation of it. Sometimes we need to listen to God speak when we leave the service. He's done preaching, but he's not done speaking. He's got something special that he's going to teach Simon. I think he wants to teach all of us this. Notice, notice, notice again, notice what he said. He said, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, watch this word, launch out. Before we can obey the Lord and follow him in his will, we have to leave the land. This speaks of our security. In other words, we, we got to let go, Brother Scott, of what we are holding on to as our security. Hey, Simon, I had your ship, but I want you. Your security is being back over here mending your nets, washing your nets. You think you've done everything. All your friends is over here. Your partners are over here. Hey, this may be your security. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. What is it that's tying you to the shore today? Uh, I I don't know. Some of us need to cut the line. Amen. Break away from the dock and head out and follow God. He gave him a command. And and the driving force of God's will is to launch out. It's to, amen, break away from everything that's tying you down. I thought I think about every time I think about being tied down or bound up. I think about Lazarus. Jesus gets over to the tomb, and uh, 
Jesus didn't put the stone on the door. Jesus didn't wrap Lazarus up. He done told them. He said, I'm on the way. And he said when he got there, they thought he was late, but he was right on time. According to Jewish uh, mythology, they thought that the spirit of a person hovers around the grave until the third going into the fourth day. Once the fourth day's there, it's gone. Hey, Jesus had to get past all their little mystery thinking, all their little witchcraft, all their little, all their little ideas. He can work when nothing can't work. And after four days, Jesus shows up. They said, well, he stinks now. He said, no, he's just getting right. Amen. They thought he was right. Jesus said he's right. Are y'all listening? He gets over there to the thing, and what does he say? He said, roll the stone away. Well, what, what, why in the world's a stone? need to be rolled away. Lord, you speak, move mountains. You said the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. That means if you got a tandem dump truck full of unbelief and a, and a mustard seed of faith, you can still make Hogback Mountain jump over and lake. I mean, all that with one look. God, you are the author of faith. You are faith. You are God in flesh. But he didn't put it there. And see, man put it there. And I, I, every time I get to thinking about stuff that ties us down and hinders, hinders us from doing the will of God, I think about that stone because it was the stone standing in the way of the master doing a miracle in their brother's life. I don't know what we've got rolled up between the master and who we need God to do a miracle for, but I can promise you this, whatever we got in the way, God wants us to move it out of the way. Amen. He didn't put it there. He's not going to move it. Amen. And when Lazarus comes forth, he comes out there. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. I just know he called Lazarus and he came forth. I don't know how a man bound up can walk, but the Bible said he came forth. Here's what I think. God put one of them escalators under his feet like he got at the airport. and He just rolled him right out there. Amen. He's standing out there and he's bound up. He can't speak for God. He's wound up and he can't work for God. He's tied up and he can't walk for God. And, and the Lord said, loose him. Amen. He's alive, but y'all to bound him up. Y'all, he needs to be loose so he can speak and loose so he can work and loose so he can walk. I don't know what it is that's got us tied up. I don't know what it is that's hindering us from the will of God. Maybe others have put things in the way. Maybe there's obstacles in your life. Something that you think is your security. But I can tell you, if you'll listen to the Lord, launch out. Get away from those things that are tying you back, that are holding you back. And launch out into the deep and watch God do some miracle in your life. Grammatically, this word launch out requires an immediate action. In the context of our text, here he's talking to Simon. He tells Simon, launch out. In other words, Simon, launch out. Not, not the partners launch out. Simon, launch out. What, what is it that you are, that's got you tied back, that's got you bound up, that's blocking you from blessings? I can just tell you this, God's almighty, but I promise you, hey man, the, uh, you need to understand the concept of you and any command God gives you, you need to act and obey immediately if you're going to live in the will of God and enjoy the blessings of God. Amen. The driving force of God, he said, in other words, God gave a command and Peter did what he told him. He unloosed from the anchor. He unloosed from the shore. He broke it, number two, notice in our verse. Not only do we notice the word launch out, but notice the next words, into the deep. We notice the driving force of God's will, but I want you to notice with me the deep foundation of God's will. That speaks to our our surrender. Why our surrender? Sometimes, brother, the word deep, it, it means mystery. It means that, in other words, you can see everything in the shallow, but when you launch out into the deep, you can't see what's under there, which is the reason why my wife don't like swimming in the ocean. Amen. I, I'm not against it. I do it for my boy's sake ride them waves in but I'm always nervous I see sharks where there's birds are y'all following me 
I mean, y'all crazy. I mean, if you don't want to be them, stay out of their house. That's the way I look at it. Amen. They hungry. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't want to be out here. I, every dolphin comes by, I'm thinking of Jaws. I mean, God forbid my mama should have never let me watch out in the 80s. I said, never should she let me. I can't get it out of my mind. And Jaws, that old movie. I don't, y'all, some of y'all older than I am. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He said, he said this, he said, launch out into the deep, to the unknown, to the mystery, out there to the place you've not been before. He, this, this word there, it actually is the word, it actually is the word where we get our word bath, bathsphere. I, I remember in 1930 when I first looked up this word definition, uh, there was a man, he was a zoologist. He's a marine biologist, zoologist. And, and he wanted to make a vessel that could go down into the deep. He took this same Greek word and, and he, named, he named his vessel Basphere. And what it was was this big round submarine thing that was let down with a cable. The first time it ever went down, I think was in the early 30s, 1930s, and it went down to like 1,200 feet. The next time, it was a few years later, it went down to 3,000 feet. And people could be inside observing some things. Just the normal people could be in there observing, but there was a catch. If the rope got snagged, if the, if the weather got out of hand, and so they quit and they, they started doing different kinds of submarines where they could view it. But he got his word from going, uh, making a vessel that would go deeper than other vessels had went. See, here, here, here's what God's wanting us to do. God is, he took that word from the, from the Greek language. God's wanting us to go deeper than we've ever been. And you can't do it. You can't do it, brother, unless you launch out in the deep to the mystery. See, we, we, we like what we can touch. We like faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That faith is stepping out on what you don't see to step out. Faith was Peter getting outside the boat when you're not supposed to humanly walk on water. Faith is, is trusting God when you can't see it. That substance, subsoil or submarine, that means believing that God is going to catch you and be there for you where he tells you to go. God is never going to send you where he's not going to take care of you. He wants you to launch out in the deep. How, how, how deep have you been in the things of God? Write this verse down. You can look at it later. Here's what the Bible said in the book of Romans in chapter number 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God wants us into the deep things of God. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom. God wants us to launch out, get away from the shallow waters. here's, Here's the way I'd put it. Oftentimes we live... Too much of our Christian life in the shallow waters. And, and near where we can still see the shore. My, I always talked about, I'd love to go on a cruise. Part of me. But I don't want to do it by myself. That's my wife. That's the other part of me. And she ain't going to get out there where she can't see the shore. And so I said, babe, we're going on a Mississippi cruise. Mississippi River Cruise. I mean, you can see the shore there, and you can see the shore there, and we can be on one of them cruise river boats. No, she still ain't going to do it. I ain't never going to get to go on a cruise because I ain't going by myself. God wants us to go places we've never been. See, we, we think, man, we've arrived. I mean, we, we, we're, we, hey, we, we're further away from the shore than we've ever been. Here's, here's what happens, brother. If, we all, if we're always in the shallow place, we're messing around with the minnows of the shallow and missing the miracles of the master. We're, we're, we're hanging around. Minnows are out there. God wants us to get deep in the things of God. He's got some blessings waiting for us. What's impossible with man, he's already showed his flesh couldn't make no fish come in the boat. His flesh couldn't, uh, couldn't produce anything. In fact, it was preventing things. 
But God said, I want you to launch out in the deep. I've got a special fishing hole. I'm going to let you tap into something you've never seen before. This is an unheard of catch. Some would say historically the amount of fish that it took to fill an average boat, much less another partner's boat, would have been a year's worth of catch. It's just a catch. This is not just a good catch. This is a miraculous catch. And I'm listening. I don't want things just to go good by me doing the will of God. I want to see miraculous things. I want to see God do something miraculous in our life. And God can, but we're going to have to listen. We're going to have to launch out into the deep. The deep foundations of God's will. You see, in the deep, Brother Scott, you can't stir up dust in the deep. You can't throw mud at each other in the deep. And I doubt very seriously people are going to jump ship in the deep. I mean, some of them might be brave enough to. But oh, Brother Scott, I, if, if we could just get Christian people to launch out into the deep, enter into the deep waters. I'm talking about concerning truth and concerning their, their fervor for the things of God. If we could just launch out into the deep, get our young people to launch out in the deep and, and not care what nobody, because if you're close enough to the shore, you'll be distracted by what's going on on the shore. People will try to get you to go to the party that's on the shore, and all God's wanting you to do is focus on Him. He wants to have the preeminence in your life. See, he wants you to see the power, have him to have the preeminence. And number three, notice these next words. Not only do we see the deep foundation of God's will, we see the descending fathoms of God's will. Notice these next words. And let down your nets. And let down your nets. That has to do with our submission. That has to do with our service. Brother Frank dealt with it, so I don't have to preach about a quarter of my message today. Because, brother, God had us in the same vein. Hey, time's running out for us to serve God like we know we should serve God. I, I never forget, we're talking about time, and Brother Frank's back there, how much time? If there's 24 hours in a day, and if we give God a tithe on our time, that's two hours and 40 minutes. I wonder how many of us have tithed our time with God. I, amen, preacher. Anybody ready to pray? Let's just call recess and pray a while. Amen. That's my favorite subject in school anyway. Amen. Amen. Let's call recess and pray a while because if we'll be honest today, I doubt that we're robbing God of time. One thing my grandpa couldn't stand, he'd fire you in a minute working on building houses on a job if you're still in time. I wonder how much time we're stealing from God. We're not even giving God a fraction of the time we owe him. I thought about serving God and thought about my, my, my buddy, a preacher, went to visit a house and he had to go by the bank and run an errand. God had this man on his heart and this man, his porch, it was like one of them shotgun houses. Y'all remember them shotgun houses like you went through the front door and as a living room and went on back. It was one of them shotgun mill houses. Had a front porch on the front and that guy that God had put on his heart, he, he was sitting on the front, front porch, holiday something, I don't remember all the story and he said, he, he said well, he said, uh, we had a holiday at the mill, but the banks was open, and I had to go to the bank and make a deposit. And so I went over there and pulled into the bank, go make my deposit. And when, before I even got, before I even got to the bank, God said, you need to go now. And I said, well, I need to make this deposit. And, and the Lord said, you need to go now. And I felt, man, I, I felt a tug. I seen the man sitting on the porch. I could have went and talked to him. But instead, I got in line, got done with my deposit, and the ambulance was at his house, and the man died before I could ever go up to him. Every fraction of every moment does count. And being sensitive to do God's will, it is, hey, the deep, the descending fathoms of God. How willing are you to mind God? See, God had told him, and I don't know if y'all tried to emphasize it in my reading, but in verse number four of chapter five, he said, let down your nets, plural. And in verse number five, 
Peter said, nevertheless said, thy word I will let down the net. Peter said, Master, gave him a good excuse. I, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. That's what verse 5 said. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down. And so, in other words, in spite of the work, they were washing and mending the nets. But Christ said, I want to have, they were busy. They were doing what they had to do to survive, take care of their family. It wasn't like they was doing something wicked. Uh, they were working. But in spite of the work, I want priority. In spite of the work, Christ must have the party. In spite of the weariness, they said, we've toiled all the night. Verse number five. Christ, amen, must be served even when you don't feel like serving him. Even when you wore out, even when you're weary, even when you think you're busy, even when you're working or whatever, amen, whatever, in spite of the work, in spite of the weary. Well, preacher, you just don't understand. Here's what I say. I don't want to see folks come in like this, but I'd rather see them come in like this than not come in at all. I mean, if you've got to literally go by and borrow an IV bag from Columbus EMS and get it hooked up to your arm and drag in the church with a spiritual IV, then come to church. Man, I hope you come to church jumping and excited and just glad to be at church. But for God's sake, come to church. The sick need help. And here's the spiritual hospital. Amen. Are y'all with me? In spite of the work, in spite of the weariness, in spite of the woe. Say, man, we've took nothing. But we've worked, we've did everything that we could possibly do. But Christ must be served, brother, in spite of the discouragement, and in spite of the depression of your own life, in spite of the situation. If you're going to wait to get in the will of God and do what he says, when the sun's out and everything's perfect, you're never going to serve God. You're going to have to serve God when everything's wrong because it's those who serve God when everything's wrong. Picture somebody going through absolute hell on earth and having just the dew drops of heaven in their life that is going to have more of an impact to the world than anybody else amen God wants us y'all remember me preaching on the book of Hosea preaching through that book I love that book and there's, there's some phrases in that book and it says he will be to you like the dew dew does not rise or fall but forms when the condition's right Dew never does come at sunshine. It always forms in the night. And dew is always thickest in the low places. The Lord's saying, hey, when you're in the low place, in the dark times of your life, when you feel like nobody else cares, that's when I'm going to show up in your life and kiss you like the dew. I mean, you can't separate hardly the dew from the plant. It is on it everywhere. It's soaked with it. God said, I'm going to soak up in your life in the dark times when the conditions of your heart's right. Hey, man, I'm going to come to you like the dew. Don't use being busy with work. Don't be in, use being weary. And for God's sake, don't use, folks, the things that's going on with your life, the woes of life. Simon had to be confronted at times that he failed God. He had to be confronted with his flesh. He had to be, confront, he had to be confronted with his performance. He said, all the professional fishermen, hey, you might be exhausted, but I want you to let down your neck. You come up empty in yourself, but I want you to let down your neck. I know you're discouraged. I know you see people all around. It's slam week. Hey, man, it's, it's professional fisherman time. Hey, but, hey, man, you see everybody else bringing in boatfuls of fishes, and you're so discouraged and depressed. Hey, but let down your nets. Let down your nets. When we serve God in obedience and the power of the Holy Ghost, everything's about to change. Simon is going to see something. And not just Simon. 
it's going to affect everybody around him, not just his partners. Imagine that crowd that's still talking about the message they heard preached hanging out on the shoreline. Imagine the people that's fixing to be influenced because one man who's weary in spite of his work, who's depressed with all of the woes of his life, is fixing to go ahead and mind God. God's going to do something that he's going to enjoy and experience and he's going to be able to influence and evangelize and what a springboard to the ministry of being a fisher of man. It's fixing to happen. Notice the draw of the fishes of serving in God's will. This speaks of our supply. God help us. We're missing out on supplies from heaven. They say, they say this in the military. They always thought, if you can break off their supply line because if they ain't got bodies and they ain't got beans and they ain't got bullets, they're not going, they're going to quit. They're going to get defeated. And so if we can cut off their supply line maneuver and, and go about and, hey, man, if we can ambush them, if we can go and cut off their supply line, but well, I've got news for you. Our headquarters is in heaven. Amen. And the devil can't cut off our supply line. How Peter's fixing a hey man, figure out he don't need a trout farm. Hey man. He don't need no, all he needs is the supply line to be hooked up. Listen to draw the fishes, the supply of God's will. Notice what he says. He said, let down. Here's what the Lord said. Let, let down your nets to try. Is that what your Bible says? That ain't what my Bible says. Verse 4 says, let down your nets for a what? A drought. In other words, here's what the Lord said. If you'll just mind me, supplies coming. If you'll just mind me, worship's coming. If you'll just mind me, a faithful walk's coming. But you gotta do my will. You gotta do my will. If you'll mind me, I'm fixing to bless you. How many times God spoke to us? And we feel like, man, if we'll just go ahead and mind God and do what God says to do when, it, when we're depressed and discouraged and defeated, hey, man, when we're wore out, when we're weary, when it, when it seems like there's no reason, it don't profit, it don't pay, if you'll just trust God, God's fixing to bless you. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. The word there for a draw is a word of expectant. It's an expectancy word. There's an expectancy that comes with obeying God. You said, well, Peter didn't believe it. Simon didn't believe it. I know he didn't, but God did. And ain't you glad sometimes when you don't even believe it, he is, hey, man, hey, when you don't have enough faith, he does. Hey, man, when you deny, he stands faithful. My God, have mercy. Amen. Thank the Lord. He overrules our inadequacies. Amen. And our inabilities. He steps on the scene and overrules and overpowers and blesses us anyway. We sure don't deserve it. I mean, I wouldn't even think a mustard seed would be enough with all the faith that we, unbelief that we have. A mustard seed wouldn't be enough for us to see a miracle, but God said it is. Amen. Listen, notice the size in the report. Watch what happens. He says, I'll let down a net. The Lord told him, let down your nets, plural. You're going to miss out on many blessings by half obedience. God said, let down your nets, plural. He let down his net and they began to break. Now that's a miracle. I've been fishing enough to know that a broke neck don't catch nothing. Fish get out of broke nets. But somehow or another, God's holding the net together. Now I'm going to tell you, I remember the message I preached from this text about the church. The church is like a net that God throws us out in the world and then pulls us back together. You know what a net is? It's just a bunch of zeros knotted together. 
That's all we are as a church. And God, you say, well, preacher, we broke. Don't worry about it. God's already showed us. Woo, he can take a broke net and bring a haul in. Amen. He can bring a haul in. Then there's going to be a hallelujah. Watch what happens. The size of the report. The Bible said in verse number six, a great multitude of fishes. Amen. Amen. You say, can, can you... Give me an idea how many is in a multitude. Well, I tell you this, it's enough to make two boats sink. Amen. Two ships sink. The submission in the report. They did do it. They did do what the Lord said, but they only did it partially. How many of us have minded God, but even in our lack of faith and the realm of the power of the flesh, we minded God, but we didn't mind him all the way. I, I know of a man, he goes to Brother Chad Watson's church. I had to, he took me out for lunch one day when I was down there preaching for Brother Chad Watson. And uh, he, he sat down with me, bought my lunch that day, had a good time of fellowship. Me and him was talking. He said, Preacher, I'll never forget. He said, I had, I, I can't remember the number, I'm just going to say $62,338 in the bank. And they were talking about paying the church off. And that's all I had. And I ran my own business. And I needed that money. And anybody that's ever ran your own business, you know you got one breakdown can wipe everything out. He said, I, need six, I had 62000 whatever it was, $328. And, and they just need money. So I was going to get 40000 That's more than half. And the Lord said, no. And he said, I, then I was going to give 50000 And the Lord said, no. He said, I stood up. God made me stand up because I was so disobedient. And I gave every single penny that I had. And he said, within 30 minutes, the church was paid off for over $300,000. He said, within three weeks, God gave me every bit of that money back with a big contract job I got. I'm telling you, people say, well, what if he just partially minded God? Well, I promise you, if he'd have partially minded God, according to even this text, he'd have probably gotten blessed. He'd have probably gave and it'd have been given on him good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He'd have gave it with a cheerful heart even though it wasn't everything God told him to do. I mean, are y'all with me today? Y'all looking at me like I'm trying to take up an offer and I ain't trying to take up an offer. I'm just telling the truth. I just lost everybody in here. I'm serious. If you think about it, what is it? Let's just let's forget the money. Let's say, well, I'm going to give God. I'm going to give God a Sunday morning. I'll give God every Sunday morning till the day I die. Well, well, that's good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if that's all God told you to give, but what if He told you to give a Sunday morning and a Sunday night? Is God going to bless you for being here on Sunday morning? Well, absolutely. You're going to get fed in your soul. You're, you're doing God's will. Hey, man, you're hearing God's words around God's people. You're going to get blessed. But what is the potential? See, I am convinced that we stand before the judgment seat of God. It's not whether as Christians we're not going, we're not going to the great white throne judgment. We're going to the Bema seat. We're going to that judgment seat. We're going to have to give account of everything we've done in the body, good or bad, good or evil. And I, things are going to get burned up. Things because we've done the wrong attitude. We had the wrong motive in mind. And uh, some of that stuff's going to be burned up. Well, I gave $4.2 million. Well, yeah, but you hated doing it. Amen. And so some of it's going to be burned up. And we're all going to be shouting for just a little a glimmer of gold in the midst of big ash piles. And boy, won't that, and some of us going to be, but man, it's going to be a blessing to just give some. But you know what I think the judgment seat's really all about? It's about the progress and the potential being weighed out. Oh, thank God for how you serve God, the good and evil, since you got saved. But here's the potential you could have reached. If you'd have fully minded me. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Man, that's going to be a fearful thing. That's why Paul said, it's a terror of the Lord I persuade men. It was a fearful thing to face the judgment seat. Not because I may not go to heaven, no. That's settled. I'll never have to go to the great white throne. I'm heaven bound with the hammer down. Got a bunch of friends around and ain't turning around and all that. Amen. I'm no God save me. I, I'm blessed. Amen. Somebody said I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, I like saying it too, but truth is we are stressed. Amen. But brother, we are blessed. Every single person in here is blessed. Progress versus potential is a fearful thing to face with God. 
Peter, you caught so much fish and your net broke. It's a miracle. It's marvelous. Look what God has done in your life because you partially obeyed. You're going to have so much fish. Got to call your partners out there and the boats are going to start to sink. But my goodness, Peter, what you could have had if you just put both of them down. Are y'all with me today? You say, preacher, it's only affecting Simon. Oh, no, it's affecting more than Simon, Peter. Notice the saints in the report. Look at verse number seven. <laughs> the Bible said, and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help him. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. See, it wasn't just Simon that got blessed. Old James and John got in on it. It wasn't, hey man, it wasn't just one family in one house and no telling who saw all this go on around them when they brought them fishes in onto that shore. Can you imagine the guy that's running the fish market? Can you imagine the guy that's taking payment for all the taxes that they got taxed to fish in the Sea of Galilee and the Roman government and the people that's going to be influenced catapult, snowballing, more people, more people. How in the world did you get such a big, how many people was influenced? How did this ever take place? I tell you, it was a miracle. The masters, it's like he went, and fish jumped in my net. I was fishing. He said, cast your net. Launch out in the deep. Let down your nets for a draw. The draw to fishes, that speaks of your supply. Man, look at all the blessings he got. Now, some might be saying, well, preacher, I tried serving God, and it don't, it don't pay. Oh, I promise you it pays. It don't work. Well, maybe, you, maybe you might be trying to do it in the power of the flesh. I'd have to agree with you. In our own strength and our own professional ability, with our own, with our own sensibility, hey, we're going to make a mess of it. But when God speaks to your heart, working in the will of God will produce worship, and worship will produce a walk that magnifies God. Amen. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 8. The Bible says this. Here's a key verse to victory. Manifesting itself in worship. Man. Serve God. Peter, Peter minded God. Simon, Peter minded God. See, that's what God wants. He wants us to follow his will. He wants us to commit our life to his hands. He wants us to, to serve him and surrender and, and submit. And God's going to bring the supply. Watch what happens. Verse number eight. I love this verse. When Simon Peter, I dealt with it just a little bit while he's reading. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord. He was astonished. He was amazed. Can, can, he was abounding, but he was astonished. How long has it been since you minded God so completely that what God did as a result of your obedience absolutely astounded you, amazed you? Amen. You say, well, preacher, I just don't know. I just Listen, when he got in the will of God, when he got away from the things that were tying him back, his safety, when, when he surrendered, when he submitted, God supplied. He said, preacher, I don't know if it worked for me. Well, let's go all the way back to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles. Just, you can write it down, look it up later. 2 Chronicles chapter 13, there's a story in verses 15 through 19 is the verses I'm thinking about right now. And Abijah and Judah, they're sitting there and, and Judah's preaching the truth. And he said, we've minded and followed the right king. And we're serving the one and only God. He's the captain of our army. And that whole crowd, Israel, was, was gathering around Judah. And Israel broke up their company. And they set an ambush behind him. And while he was preaching truth, a devil was setting up an ambush. And when God's people were serving, the devil's crowd was setting up an ambush. They was going to gather them. They thought they had them surrounded. The Bible says they was outnumbered two to one. It was 800,000 of them and 400,000 of Judah and Abijah. And they're sitting there and he's preaching and the Bible says he turned around, saw the ambush from behind. You know what he did? He shouted. You know, what, you, know, you know what Peter did when he was confronted by his own sinfulness when he saw the supply that God blessed? I'll tell you what he did. He worshiped. 
I'll tell you what that crowd said. I can shout my way out of this situation. I can worship my way out of a mess. You say, preacher, I don't know if that worked. Well, let's ask Joshua at Jericho if minding God works. If you mind God in silence, it works. And then when you mind God in shouting, I promise you it'll work. Ask, ask Rahab if it works. It works. Let's ask this crowd. Let's ask Abijah and Judah. And I guarantee you, when, the, when it was all said and done, Brother, uh, Brother Scott, here's what happened. God whooped that crowd, and the minority became the majority. <laughs> Woo! Hey, man. One day we're going to be the majority. The Bible says, watch him, he worshiped. Confrontation, conviction, confession, conversion in verse number 8. Explanation in verse number 9. Evangelization in verse number 10. So it was also James and John, the sons of, of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. They were astonished. They were amazed. They were astounded. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch man. You know what happened? After his confrontation, conviction, conversion, you know what happened? A commission. God said, I'm going commi- to commission you to be a fisher, of, a, pitcher, a fisher of men. And watch what happened in verse number 11. They forsook all and followed him. Here's what happened, brother. God said, started with, I'm done preaching, Simon, I'm talking to you personally. Started with launch out. Launch out into the deep. Let your nets down for a draw. Well, preacher, he had to get away from what the security. He had to surrender. He had to submit, and God brought in the supply. And you know what happened? His soul was changed. The saints around him was changed, and a multitude of sinners got changed. God took one man to influence his peers and to reach a multitude of people, not with his own power or his professional, but with the power of God. Father, we love you today. And Lord, help us to realize.